Dan Bickley, Vince Morata, Bickley and Morata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Players want to know that their organization is buying in to winning, and they're going to do whatever they need to do, whether that's inside the facility, whether that's going and getting somebody a piece that they need, whether that's you know making sure that they they hold on to the to really good pieces that they have, so so they can win. That's you know instrumental in, in building something and sustaining it. Um, you know when you see organizations that are willing to do that, you understand what that means uh, inside the locker room when. When, uh, when when teams see that. That's Hall of Famer Kurt Warner joined us yesterday here on Bickley and Murata Mornings talking about, just generally speaking, what mm. players are looking for and kind of applying that to what the Arizona Cardinals did or did not do in free agency. Players, when they go somewhere, they want assurances that the organization is interested in winning. And that seems to be a bit of a question right now for the Arizona Cardinals. Not long-term. Obviously, every team wants to win long-term. Mm-hmm. But how realistic is the possibility of winning in 2023 for this Cardinals team with a new head coach, a new general manager, and quite honestly, a lot of holes roster-wise? Yeah, and so everything that we have uh, been fearing and thinking, um, an anonymous NFL executive put words to it via Mike Sando. Now, generally, anonymous sources and quotes... You take them with a grain of salt, but but I think we all can agree that we know they're very real with Mike Sando, right? Yeah, he's okay. got a lot of connections yeah. around the league, and he's able to uncover stuff. And this is what uh, he does. Uh, he, uh, yeah, behind that curtain of anonymity, yes. people will open up. Yes, and and so what he does now is he, he does any number of pieces during the course of a, of a calendar year that sort of aggregate a lot of anonymous voices, and these anonymous voices, they trust Mike Sando to tell them stuff. One executive said uh, it, it, it it looks like a throwaway year for the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, the, the quote was, they have that, a new coach and a new GM who have never worked together, and their super expensive quarterback is out. I don't want to say this is a throwaway year, but it's a throwaway yeah. year. Now, I, I would argue that the throwaway year might have been last year. By hanging on to that regime uh, last year, That I, 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 I was fearful what was going to happen last year was going to happen. Not the dysfunction of it all, but just wasting a year. And and getting to the place they should have been a year earlier, what whatever it's it's but, time for everybody to turn the page. Can but, I play yeah, devil's advocate please. for a second? How, please. How do you? I mean, we were both very very taken aback by the contract extension mm-hmm. situation that the Cardinals went through last off season. But how do you embark on that that turnaround season after you won eleven games? <laughs> After you were ten and two, and I, I get it, I know it was a mirage. I know we don't. We all didn't know it was a mirage to the degree that it was. Right, signs were there for for people to see, though that they were. That, that collapse in the back half of that season was so ungainly, and that playoff performance was so atrocious that to how me, how atrocious was it? It invalidated the ten and two. It's it it really looking back, the fact that the Cardinals are number one in the power rankings and all that. Twelve games into a season, and here we are at this point. Time. Yeah. It's that that's that's off the edge of a cliff, literally. So uh, with a K, see, see what I did there, Jared. I've I've used that joke enough times. Um, so it, yeah, so I think this is a reset year. And as Mike Sandel pointed out, the Chicago Bears and the Giants did the same thing last year, lowering the bar for a new regime, going into a year with very little expectations. Uh, the Giants ended up surprising everybody. The Bears ended up with the number one draft pick. So we can go one of two ways here. Yes. Um, And then you look at teams quite recently that have had not such great success. I mean, you go back two seasons, Bick. Here are the teams that won four or less games. 
the New York Jets on the upswing, correct? Yes. Some people, if they pull off this trade for Aaron Rodgers, might think that they could be a Super Bowl contender this year. And it is going to happen. Yes. It's just a matter of time. The Houston Texans went 4-13. and They are still quite firmly in their rebuild. Jacksonville went 3-14. and They were a playoff team the next year. The New York Giants went 4-13. and Playoff team the next year. The Detroit Lions went 3-13-1. Right on the cusp of the playoffs last year and an up-and-coming team. Wow. Uh, wow. So those were the teams. It, it just goes yeah. to show you, you know, that's where the Cardinals are starting from, mm-hmm. 4 and 13, but they're not really starting from there because the roster, the ingredients that went into 4 and 13, they had talent on that roster last year. Most of that talent is gone. Yeah. Or could be gone. And, and what's also interesting to me, too, now is it seems to be an assumption across the league that Kyler Murray is going to miss half the season. And. It, the, I wonder about that assumption. I wonder if if that is really more accurate than than the other, which is the idea that he might surprise some people. Yes, <laughs> that's where I'm at a, a fork in the road right now because I am of that belief too. It will be a substantial amount of time, and how much? All right, so let's say it's eight games. Mm-hmm. How many wins can a hungry, plucky group of Arizona Cardinals win in that first half of the season? To make it viable or feasible for a quarterback on the precipice of a massive contract extension kicking in to come back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, and that includes a $36 million payment for Kyler Murray this year, which I did. I, I knew it was hefty. I didn't know it was that big. So, yeah, listen. Um, yeah, a lot of things up in the air, and the rebuild, it really does come down to that quarterback and whether or not he um, is going to turn that corner. It's it, it, it's really going to be fascinating to see where this thing goes in the next three years because, as you said, Cardinals are either going to win a Super Bowl, he's going to be out of the league. Yeah. That's um, the way I view it. This is You talk about risk-reward. All or nothing. Oh, man. Going back to the title Holy of that TV show moly. back in 2015. Yeah. Uh, not a Super Bowl. <laughs> Super Bowl <laughs> ring. Uh, more from Kurt Warner yesterday, his visit with us. Uh, he kind of assessed the current state of the Cardinals. You can look at their roster, especially offensively, and say, you know, they're not in terrible shape right now, assuming, you know, Kyler can come back healthy and Kyler can continue to make growth if they keep all these pieces in place. Um, you know, I, I think what you're talking about is a guy like DeAndre Hopkins. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, he's, he's such a difference maker, and he's one of the best players in the National Football League. Um, you know, and to me, if I'm there, I'm like, well, we need to keep this guy. I mean, like, this is one of the best players in the league. We got him in-house. We need to keep this guy. And I know there's a lot of speculation that they're going to trade him. And it's moves like that, um, that to me, and I know there's a bigger picture. I know that organizations have to look, you know, sometimes long-term and look, you know, four and five years out. But what I know is players don't. Players look at the right now, and they want to know that they're in a position to compete right now and that they can go out there and win because tomorrow is not guaranteed in this league. And so I think some of those moves, um, you know, are going to be interesting. Very young on defense. Uh, Obviously, they're going to have to add some pieces, I think, in the draft defensively. Um, But still very young on that side with some good pieces like Buddha to build around. Um, You know, so so I don't think it's as bad as maybe some people are saying right now. But, um, you know, a couple moves and and with guys having to come off of injuries and how do they come back, uh, this could, you know, it could look very different um, when we're talking about it when we're kicking off, um, you know, game number one next year. Yeah, Kurt with his finger on the pulse of it, just like 
like always. always. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, but we're getting closer to the draft. We are three weeks, three just more than three weeks away from, from the mm-hmm. NFL draft. And that is going to be a time where a lot of questions can be answered. What do the Cardinals do? Do they hold on to three? Do they succumb to the pressure to trade number three? And maybe we can get into that a little bit later on, some of the projections that are out there. The the noise coming out of Nashville yep. seems to be getting louder and louder yep. about the Titans being a team that wants to jump up eight spots. So we can go back there. You can win li- lower-level tickets uh, for this Thursday's D-backs home opener versus the Dodgers. Just text BASEBALL to 620-620 for complete details and your chance to win. That's BASEBALL to 620-620. Coming up next, we'll shift focus to the NBA and the Phoenix Suns. We'll talk all of it with NBA writer and podcaster Howard Beck next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bitly and Murata Mornings. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. Yep, Suns in action tonight at Footprint Center against the San Antonio Spurs. Looking to lock up the number four spot in the Western Conference in these next couple games. Here to talk Suns and NBA with us is NBA writer and podcaster Howard Beck, who checks in on the Arizona Sports Line. Howard, good morning. How are you? Good morning, gentlemen. Good. How are you? Doing real good. Um, you know, we're going into Game Seven of Kevin Durant in a Suns uniform, and the numbers that yeah, he's putting up, the numbers that Devin Booker's putting up, and of course the win numbers have been, uh, you know, eye popping so far. What have been your your takeaways from what you've seen of, of KD in the purple and orange, Howard? I mean, nothing too surprising. Kevin Durant is still really good at basketball, and. <laughs> He joined a team that was pretty good at basketball, and <laughs> and I mean, listen, I don't mean to be too glib. It's just, no, it, it's, it's yeah. You know, there, there's 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 two sides to this, right? So there is the Kevin Durant is a plug and play superstar, maybe the most plug and play superstar we've ever seen, as everyone has said, and he is proving that by fitting in seemingly seamlessly with this team. And despite having, you know, arrived while he was hurt, comes back, plays a few games, gets hurt again. And the lack of time on the court with them doesn't seem to have affected him or them Mm -hmm. at all. That's all really impressive and amazing. And on some level, I think could be expected. But then you have skeptics like me um, who believe that uh, you still need a certain requisite minimal amount of time with a team to have what you could truly consider to be the kind of chemistry and feel for each other that matters when you get to the playoffs. So everything great so far, but even if you look at like, Oh, well they're, you know, what are they six and oh or whatever when he plays now, if, if, uh, any stretch in a season, a team goes six and oh, we go, okay, they're on a nice streak. We don't immediately conclude they're unbeatable. Um, I do think we're overreacting a little bit to, you know, what they've done so far. My skepticism remains um, just kind of based on principle, not based on anybody on the Suns, not based on Durant or Booker or anybody else, just on the general principle that if we're going to spend endless amounts of time every year in the NBA talking about teams that are succeeding um, because they have great chemistry and continuity, familiarity <laughs> mm-hmm. with each other. They've been through the wars together. They've been, you know, through all the highs and lows. They've, they've been knocked out in the first round. They've gone to the fight. Like when you talk about all these things, all these experiences, and we put a certain amount of weight on them, and it's not just us morons on the outside fans and media 
coaches, GMs, scouts, all the people inside the NBA talk about this stuff with the same level of, of importance. And so if those things matter, they have to matter all the time. And so my, to the extent that I still have some concerns, skepticism, whatever about the Suns, it's still, there's no precedent for what they're about to try to do, which is add a player of Kevin Durant's caliber, have him play 10 games at most, and then try to win a championship. Mm -hmm. Like there's just no template for that in the history of the world. And it may happen. It it could actually happen for all kinds of reasons, including the Suns' talent level and the general malaise of the Western Conference where there is no clear favorite. It could happen. And then, you know, next year this time, I won't be able to say it's never happened in the history of the world. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's very well said. Um, And I'm curious about that because Rick Buecher likes to say that nothing, um, nothing exposes cracks in your foundation more so than the pressure of the NBA playoffs. Where, where, where might these issues come into play in a playoff series? Uh, Buke, I, I believe, is correct. My, my old tag team partner from Bleacher Report, where we made eight billion five-minute videos in about three years. <laughs> um, we, we, it was great to, to, for us to balance each other out because uh, Buker, of course, uh, far more screen-friendly than I am. So uh-huh. it, was, it, was, it was good. Um, no, I, I, look, uh, Rick, I think, is, is, is right, and this is the same thing. I was just having this conversation with an assistant coach um, on another team a week ago that, um, yeah, you're going to get in the playoffs and you're going to be, you know, it's going to be whatever, you know, a five-point game with less than two minutes to go. And, you know, the the, the Suns' op- opponent maybe is the one that's been together for two or three years and all their guys know each other and they, they've, they've run the same plays out of timeouts a bazillion times. They have a feel for each other or they know their defensive scheme and they can read and react to each other in real time without having to think about it. And they're just all on the same page because they've just they've already been through these situations. And now the Suns are going to you know have to adapt on the fly in a sense in that – Yes, the core has been together, right? Chris Paul and Booker have a, a few, and, and, and Aiton have a few years together. Um, Durant is new to them, um, and they're new to him. And then you've got, you know, even some role players like Ross or Akoji and some of these guys who who are just kind of jumped on for the ride late. Um, I just don't think you're going to have that same level of of intuitiveness mm-hmm. about each other. Like, what do we always say about the Warriors? We always point to Draymond Green and Steph Curry, how they have almost this telepathy where they just know where each other's going to be and what each other's going to do, and they can set each other up brilliantly uh, on offense. And, and a certain amount on, on defense as well, the way that that team kind of intuitively can feel each other. And that's why some of their young guys haven't worked out, and it's why the Warriors have had some of the bumps they've had, right? they got some guys who... Didn't understand how to do things the Warriors' way. Um, and so, you know, I, I, you can't say exactly when this might break down for the Suns. Just that we do have a long history of, of teams that, when they have some continuity and feel for each other, um, in, in crunch time, in a, a tight series, in, you know, down the stretch of a Game 5 in a tied 2-2 series, right? Which team are you going to have a little more faith in? Probably the one that's had a feel for each other has been together a little bit longer. Then again, 
Talent in this league seems to always win out. Yeah, you're, you're leading me down the path. I wanted to go with my next question. Howard Beck, uh, NBA writer, podcaster, our guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. That telepathy idea, Golden State obviously has it, and even the pieces that they've added, Gary Payton the second coming back, playing a role. Andrew Wiggins coming back, obviously a, a key contributor. There's other teams in that mix, the Suns being among them, but the Lakers really changed up their ingredients at the trade deadline. The Clippers did the same. Dangerous teams, but I don't think they have that same level of continuity. How do you how do you kind of size up that group of teams on that front, Howard? That's the difficulty of this whole uh, you know postseason that we're about to embark on. Is that it's such a weird thing? As I as I glance at the standings, right, the top three teams in the Western Conference have a lot of continuity. You know, the Kings, granted, Sabonis got there a year and a half ago, but okay, they've got a full year and a half with Fox and Sabonis together, and a lot of their role players have been with them and with Fox for a while. And the Grizzlies are a young team, but they've been together a while. And the Nuggets have had their failures, but they've been together a while. And so you've got three teams at the top that do have a lot of continuity before you get to the Suns, Clippers, Warriors. And then you get into this murky area where it's like, all right, the Suns have the best on-paper talent, let's say. The Warriors are the defending champs, but, you know, their record and especially their road record, you know, speaks to some major concerns. And the Clippers don't have Paul George right now. We get down to the Lakers and, you know, they're coming around. But how much track record do we have with that group together? Right. Like LeBron and Anthony Davis have been together, but they turned over, you know, half their rotation just a month and a half ago. And so, like, there's 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 no um, perfect case. I mean, perfect is is the wrong word. There's just no solid case for anybody. Everybody's got some serious caveats. And in most years, you know, you go across to the East. Even this season, the Bucks and Celtics and Sixers are sure like they have some caveats too, but they're not the same level of caveats. Like. I, I could be comfortably, you know, predict one of those teams to come out of the East, or I could at least say it's definitely going to be one of those three teams, whereas in the West it's like, well, it's definitely going to be one of uh, eight teams, I think. Um, <laughs> like it's, it's that, it's, it's that, uh, it's not even a parody. It's just everybody's got um, some serious deficiencies. Yeah, it's a great way to put it. Howard, thanks so much, as always, for coming yeah, on the show. We stuff, really appreciate man. the insight. We'll do it again soon, hopefully. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate it. Thank you, NBA writer, podcaster Howard Beck, joining us on the Arizona Sports Line. Coming up next, Sarah Gazelle takes us through the big stories of the day. It's the Rush Hour Reboot. Bickley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Good morning, everyone. Welcome into the Rush Hour Reboot here on Bickley and Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Thank you so much for joining us this morning and every morning. We so appreciate it. I'm Sarah Cazell taking you through the top stories of the day with Dan Bickley. Hey. With Vince Murata. Oh, my God. <laughs> I like that. And Jarrett Carlin. Suck it, San Diego. Yeah. <laughs> How do you guys feel about San Diego as a city? Love it. Love it. Sports, sports town? How could you not? I mean, it's expensive, but how could you not? I think love it's super it? overrated. You know what else is expensive, Jared? Everything. Life. You know? <laughs> no overrated. Yeah. Overrated. Yeah, really? I think it's fine. I think it's fine. I love San Diego. 
I think it's maybe like the fourth best it's city. It's San Diego. San Diego. The fourth, San Diego. The fourth best city. In California. Perhaps. Well. Let's get to the top yeah, stories of the day. Oh, that's a controversial take in these here parts, Come at Sarah. me. All right. Come at uh, me, bro. Yes, come at me. San Diego bros, come at me. We've got the Suns and the Spurs at Footprint Center tonight. These teams are moving in two very different directions right now. The Suns are hoping to lock in the fourth seed in the West this week, while the Spurs are hoping to lock in Victor Wembanyama. Losses, please. Uh, nobody on the injury report for the Suns at the moment, while San Antonio has Zach Collins as questionable, plus Romeo Langford and Keldon Johnson as doubtful. Here is Suns coach Monty Williams earlier this week on the importance of the team getting into a rhythm in these final regular season games. I love the wins, and we got to keep winning um, just based on where we are. At the same time, I want to be able to win and stack solid as best as we can. That's something we've talked about all year, just continuing to stack solid so that we can get a rhythm. And I think if we do that um, and the guys get used to playing with one another, I think we're going to be in, in, in good shape. Okay, so yesterday we, I think it was the 930 poll question, briefly touched on how should the Suns, like basically once the Suns clinch their playoff spot, what should they do? And it was a very quick conversation, but I want to dive into that a little bit further. Um, I, I believe it's two game or two wins that the Suns need uh, to clinch that fourth spot or a top four spot, I should say. Given that there is so much talk about the team gelling with Kevin Durant and trying to figure out more consistent play from the bench, do you think it would be smart for the Suns to sit starters once they clinch that playoff spot? That's a good question. Yeah, I'm I'm torn on it because, yes, from a... You know, covering up strategy kind of situation. Okay. You might be playing the Lakers. You might be playing the Clippers. Um, they're teams that have a lot of new parts that you haven't necessarily seen either. Um, but that continuity thing, I think, is a factor, too. There's, there's these two heavy questions kind of ramming into each other at this yeah. point for the yeah. Suns. But mm-hmm. I, I think once... Once you get locked into four, if you do, it's not a foregone conclusion at this point. Right. I think you ease up a little bit. Yeah, I agree with that. And and I do agree there's danger, and I do think there's an, uh, there's this, another side to this that's very valid. So I'm not saying I'm right here, but I am saying that is the way I would do it just from having, having watched the fragility of this team at times. And uh, Chris Paul, Kevin Durant in particular. Okay. That's what I would do because really, to be honest, if, if the games don't mean anything to the Suns, they are not going to get the kind of camaraderie out of them. We're not going to know anything about whether or not this team is going to be ready for the postseason until the uh-huh. pressure really ratchets up. Sure. That's what I believe. So, Vince, when you say they should ease up a little bit, what does that look like? Kevin Durant sits. Chris Paul sits. I don't know. If limited minutes. I, I don't know which of those answers is correct or where I'm even leaning right now. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you're going to limit minutes, you're still running risk. Sure. Yeah. But if you sit them completely, you're running risk of, <laughs> of stunting your yeah. own growth. I mean, well, it, there's a, a and, ton to consider. And again, if, if you're if you're playing, if it's if Sunday rolls around and you know that this team is playing the Clippers, neither team is going to play anybody. Sure. So I, I, so I think circumstances are going to dictate this as well. That's fair. Have we heard anything about Paul George and his leg, by the way? Uh, it's broken. Uh. <laughs> 
Is he good? We don't know. No. All right. I still have, still have no update there, I don't think. Okay. All right. We will keep an eye on that and let you know when we know. All right. Let's get to some men's college basketball. UConn won its fifth national title last night, and it's third in 12 years. They won in 2011, 2014, and uh, now in the year 2023. They beat San Diego State 76-59. So UConn now joins Duke and Indiana as programs with five titles. After the win, UConn coach Dan Hurley shouted out his brother, ASU coach Bobby Hurley, for how present and supportive he has been during this tournament run. It means everything to me. He's gotten in early to these, got early to Vegas so he could see me the night before and he got here early um, so he could see me last night. Uh, We were just, uh, you couldn't be closer. Very sweet. This morning on ESPN, college basketball analyst Seth Greenberg said UConn, without a doubt, is a blue blood. They're at the very top of blue bloods right now. You know, they're in that conversation. Think about this. Since 99, they have more. Kentucky has one national championship. Kansas has two. Carolina and Duke have three apiece. All right. UConn has five. Has five in that same time frame. Overall, they have more national championships than Kansas. Connecticut, obviously the great architect. The GOAT, Jim Calhoun, what he created, Danny Hurley now, and they're going to be around for a while. This isn't a one-off. This team's going to compete for a national championship pretty much as long as he's there. Okay, what constitutes a blue blood? What qualifies you to be a blue blood? How do you quantify it? I, I would say probably yeah, you need, what, three or four championships, and you need to be pretty much, no. you, you have to have a distinct brand, you have to have a, a, long, uh, a long-lasting legacy of success. I don't know. I think that's good. Probably good. Three to four titles over the span of history. I was going to say multiple titles, but then you run into like teams like Oklahoma State that won too early. Mm. Yeah. San Francisco won too and early. They're yeah. not blue blood. No. So th- I think three is probably a good benchmark. When yeah. you get to five, I mean, that's rare air. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I've been guilty of it, too, not including UConn in with the Kentucky, Kansas, oh, North Carolina, too. Duke uh, group. Um, so, yeah, the, the, I think that's a good definition, Vic. To tell on myself a little bit, I kind of forget when when you think about... The, the, the programs that would qualify. I don't really think of UConn. I, I think, don't think people, of them as a sexy basketball program. Yeah. For whatever reason, people put them in that next tier with Syracuse and Arizona and Louisville. Yeah. Like that's very, good very good programs, but mm-hmm. not Blue Bloods. Mm-hmm. I think it's because they're not a every year t- title contender. Like they win a championship yeah. and then they miss the tournament, and then, they, and then sure. like two of the next three back. years they miss the tournament you, or something. Depending on yeah, where you fair. are, you might not be able to name what conference they play in because they switch <laughs> conferences yeah. a few times. No kidding. All right, uh, I just want to note before we go that that was Jim Nance's final tournament on the call last night. Thirty-two final fours for Jim Nance over the course of thirty-seven years. He called three hundred fifty-four tournament games. Wow. Quickly, here's how he signed off last night. I mean this. Have to try to play off hello friends. But to you, everybody in the college game, my CBS family, my family, all the viewers, thank you for being my friend. Pretty cool. Did anyone else cry last night? (laughs) I definitely got teary. I thought he was going to do the goodbye, friends. Yeah, right? I, I cried, but not for that reason. <laughs> <laughs> just your scheduled nightly cry. Just had, just had, had a bad night. Pains last night. Monday. Pains, yeah. felt, felt a little weepy, did you? <laughs> a cathartic cry. Right. Let it out. Um, I'll say this on Jim Nance. I think he's giving up the wrong sport. I think Ooh. he should stay with college football and 
step aside from the NFL. Col- okay. college, college basketball. basketball. College basketball, yeah, I'm sorry. And step away from the NFL. I think Tony Romo has drugged Jim Nance down a little bit. Ah. That's just my, my own personal ah. opinion. Okay. okay. But he's okay. great. That's, on, a, that's great, a hot take. Great, great, like great on college basketball and golf. So. Yes. Yes. Farewell, Farewell, friend. friend. Farewell, friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you, you for being a friend. <laughs> They've traveled down that road and I, back again, ooh, Jared. They sure have. Yeah. I think I've told you my uh, st- my experience with Jim Nance. I may bring it up later. Oh, please, please. do. Maybe. Yeah. That's I'm right writing it, it down for yeah, late in the show. Down. Right. Write it down and off the grid. Thanks, yeah. Sarah. Rush Hour Thank reboot you. every morning at 730. Coming up next, big night potentially in the NBA involving the Suns and 25 other teams. It is a packed schedule. We'll get into some of the ramifications next. Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata mornings. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. I thought we would be up there, but we obviously aren't, so it's way different than I thought. I mean, it's every time the same problem, you know. Now we talked about offense. Uh, you know, offense fine, but we gave up 130 points in four quarters. That's, that's hard to win. Oh, Luca. Poor, poor Luca. Yeah, listen. Um, I, I don't. I don't like a, a lot of what Kendrick Perkins says. I think he's kind of jumped the proverbial shark, if you will. But I think he's right on the money about Luka Doncic. At some point in time, he needs to take accountability for his game and his weight and the fact that he has not yet con- committed himself to that level as an NBA player, the way Nikola Jokic has, and the way Laurie Markkinen has, and and other people who get in and go, okay, if I really want to be great, I have got to be in peak physical condition. He doesn't seem to, uh, to to think that's necessary. No, this this uh, for people who love Luca. This this season better be something of a wake up call. Yeah, and look, things were going a certain way. The Mavericks made the decision to go after Kyrie Irving at the deadline, and it has blown up in their face. And and here we are. I mean, people were talking about the Mavericks making noise in the playoffs after they got to the Western Conference Finals last year. And on April 4th, they're still pondering whether or not they're going to play their superstars. Here's uh, Shams Charania on FanDuel TV yesterday. But I think the Mavericks have to seriously look at whether you shut down Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving these last three games, maybe two games of the regular season. This is a team uh, that is one game out of the play-in behind Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City, I believe, has the tiebreaker over them. So they're, they're essentially two games out of the play-in with just three, you know, four games left. So you have to see what happens with with Utah, what happens with Oklahoma City between now and Wednesday? The Mavs don't play again until Wednesday at home against the Kings. Yeah, the Mavs are one of the four teams that have tonight off. And, and look, at this point, there's a lot, and there's people like Kendrick Perkins mm-hmm. that are saying Luca has to look in the mirror. It's you know he's the problem. There's other people that are saying that Kyrie Irving is the problem. It's the combination of the two. Yeah, they're both culpable for this. And the power, the decision makers, the powers that be with the Dallas Mavericks, also have to look at it. They have botched this roster. Oh, have they ever. They oh, had a team that was made up of parts that worked well together. And they butchered it. And they yep, butchered they it. Did. And they traded a couple of important guys. They let Jalen Brunson walk in free agency by absolutely
absolutely just butchering the negotiations before last season where they could have got Jalen Brunson for a song. Yes. So everybody yes. is culpable in Dallas. Oh, completely. So, so they went out and, and, and then, and then Lucas starts asking for help after you lose Jalen Brunson and you go and you get Kyrie Irving. In the fourth quarter of their last game, um, in which Kyrie and Luca played together, neither one seemed to want to shoot the basketball. And people who were watching that thought, okay, this might be the sign of a broken team. A team that does not even care anymore. Oh, my team. It's broken. It's broken. Which is why, which is what I think is leading to the speculation of, you know what? Let's just p- pull the plug on this because nothing good is coming. It's, it's asinine, isn't it? I mean, because that is exactly what this play in format was supposed to prevent. Mm-hmm. It's exactly what it was. Yeah, but now that if, if, here's where I'm confused. If Dallas says we're shutting down Kyrie and Luca because we want to protect that draft pick, which you know, if it's in the top ten, it's theirs. If it's outside the top ten, it goes to New York. Yeah, that, there's that. I That's get true. that, but can't you do both? If you sit those guys down, their chances of winning go up. <laughs> I mean, go with what is tried listen, and true. Play them together and let them lose the game. No, listen, the Suns have seen this. Um, Luka is a, an incredible scorer, but when he isn't playing, his teammates seem liberated by it. They they have quite often put forth good performances because there's actually the ball moves a little bit. Yeah. It's a, a yeah. It's I respect again. I, I I respect the game. I, I I cannot stand Luca's demeanor. I think he is. I just think he he plays basketball with the attitude like, "What are you gonna do to me? You really gonna throw me out of the game? You really gonna call a tech on me?" I I just it, it's. It, it makes me livid watching him play, but and it's not just him. I I can't stand whiny basketball players. Yeah, I agree. And he, but he's he's an extreme example. Uh, tonight, some key games that also could affect the Suns in terms of opponents in the first round. Golden State is playing its final home game tonight against Oklahoma City. The Thunder need wins. Uh, we got a good up close and personal look at the Thunder on Sunday. That is a team that can cause some problems. Golden State's been great at home. They've been awful on the road. They right now are 41 and 38, tied with the Clippers. Clippers have the tiebreaker as of right now. Uh, the Clippers are another team that is not in action tonight. They'll play again tomorrow. Uh, you've got the Pelicans at 40 and 38, a team that most had written off. Uh, especially after the Zion injury dragged on. But they're right in the thick of things, too. And they've got a home game against Sacramento. You know, the Kings are pretty much locked into number three. I wonder how they attack this game. Yeah. Um, is that an opportunity for the Pelicans to get win number 41? Mm-hmm. This whole thing, I mean, I we've been talking about it all season long. Never seen anything like this. This final week, we may never see anything like this again. I know. I know, and it's it's going to be fascinating to me to see what team, how teams perceive the Phoenix Suns, and if teams are actually going to really angle for that six seed. Because if you mess around, you might end up in the play-in format. So you really, if you are going to play that game, you're going to have to do it with precision. You're going to have to do it at the very end of this weekend, and uh-huh. and by Sunday night, we'll have an opponent. 
can't wait. This is going to be this is going to be uh, unbelievable for a lot of different reasons. And I'm telling you, the, the fact that this is unprecedented, as Howard Beck said, it, it that won't be lost on us. This is going to be a very unusual experience for all of us as diehard Suns fans who have been yearning for this trophy, especially if you've got some age on you and you've been through the the seven seconds or less debacles. If if you went through that and you've got yeah. scar tissue from that, sure. this is going to be very interesting. Yeah, but don't you think if the Suns finally do, when they do, win that championship, it's going to be, there's going to be some weirdness mixed into it. We A almost went bit. through it two years ago when the weirdness was people from the outside, oh, the Suns had an easy path to the finals because of all of the injuries and, uh, you know, whatever it is. got to play who's in front of you. There's mm-hmm. nothing you can control there. Uh, for them to overcome the weirdness of this season and win a championship, that would maybe in a way make it more more satisfying. It might. It might. <laughs> then then do we give Mikhail and Cam uh, Johnson uh, rings? <laughs> oh, boy. We'll have more of Mikhail yeah, a little bit. Yes, we will. You can win lower-level tickets for this Thursday's D-backs home opener against the Dodgers. Just text BASEBALL to 620-620 for complete details and your chance to win. Once again, that's BASEBALL to 620-620. Coming up next, already the halfway point of the Tuesday show. Bick's got the blast Fire. next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.